remain standing. I feel like we should sing about the blood of Jesus. What do you think? And, uh, I was going to preach on the resurrection again, but I think I'm going to preach on the blood. What can wash away my sin? Come on, let's sing that, church. singing in the spirit. Come on. I feel the Lord wants to do something very fresh. Oh, we reach. 
Begin to bless him. Come on, don't be a spectator this morning. Oh, I love you, Lord. There's power, power, wonder working. There's power, power, wonder. your voices.
just lift it just a little. Again, again, there's power. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the time every voice now there is power I plead the blood over you by faith. And Lord, we thank you that your precious Holy Spirit descends on that to which the blood is applied. And we apply the blood this morning. Have your way in Jesus' name. Do mighty things this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you lift a sacrificial offering to the Lord? Come on. Come on, give him praise. Come on. Come on, one more, one more, one more. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Look at someone, tell them you're going to meet Jesus all over again this morning. Be seated. Thank you. Thank you. Would you let the worship team know you're grateful? Would you do that, please? Thank you, Lord. Good morning. Good morning. Are you alive? Good morning. It's an honor to be here. I want to thank the Wiggins family for hosting me. Thank you so much. You guys are special and precious. What I was, I was just saying in the back, uh, we were taking a little break. What an amazing witness they've been as a family walking through a difficulty in faith and in humility and in integrity. What a testimony that is before you. You are blessed to have a pastor and a family leading you like you have in the Wiggins. So can we just thank the Lord? Thank you. I love you both. Thank you. It's a joy to be here. And I'm going to teach on the blood of Jesus. Is that okay? And um, there's no telling what might happen if we get going down that road. Well, uh, before we get started, Jesus 22 is right around the corner that we're hosting in Orlando. And uh, it's, it'd be our joy to have our evangel family come and reach out to the community with soul winning and preaching of the gospel those few days prior 
and then December 16 and 17, we will be gathering by the thousands upon the fields of the Central Florida Fairgrounds where the Jesus people used to meet during the great Jesus festivals. We stumbled upon all of that by accident. I had no idea that they met there and in other places in Central Florida, but certainly they met there. And um, last year was one of the most glorious gatherings I have ever been a part of, to watch the presence of the Lord descend in this chaotic world and bring his tangible glory and peace the way he did last year was incredible. So the days prior to the event, we will be uh, joined by people we all lo love, uh, friends from Bethel and Reading are sending evangelistic teams. And these aren't professional preachers. These are just people who want to share Jesus with the world. Uh, people coming in from Europe for it, to preach the gospel on the streets, to clothe the naked, to feed the hungry. We are going to invade the city of Orlando with the love of Jesus by the thousands. Come on. And that will all crescendo on December 16 and 17. And pastor, I don't think I told you this part, but a few months ago, the Lord began to stir in my soul that we were to take communion on the last night of Jesus 22. There is power in the blood of Jesus. There is power at the table of the Lord. Who knows what could happen if 10,000 people break the body and blood of Jesus under the night sky, the heavens above us as we're worshiping. Our choir will be there, our worship teams. Some of God's dearest friends will be there. And I want to invite all of you. This generation will shift for the glory of Jesus. Say amen. amen. Let me run this quick video and I'll give you a little more info as to how you, you all can, can join us. We've decided to follow Jesus and never to look back. Jesus, we thank you. Lord, you did so much for us, Jesus. You gave us your life on the cross. So Holy Spirit, right now, speak to your people. In Jesus' name. I repent. I turn from my sin. I turn from this world. And I put all my trust in Christ crucified in the precious blood of Jesus because you are the son of the living God so holy is the Lord that he hears the very intentions of our heart the Holy Spirit wants you to see how badly you need his perfection there's no one like Jesus, nobody so gentle and kind, beautiful and long-suffering. Come to Jesus and offer him your life. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Say amen. That's the message the world needs to hear. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. So you can go to JesusImage.tv. It would be an honor to have you. If you've never been to one of these, uh, they are 48 hours of having a flamethrower from heaven burn your face off and set your heart on fire. Um, 
the salvations, the miracles, the encounters with the Lord have really shifted the nations. I mean, people have been launched from those meetings into incredible ministries. Marriages have been healed in God's glory. Callings are made clear. And the most broken people are now serving the Lord. So this is what America needs, a revelation of Jesus. And so that's December 16, 17. It would be an honor to have you. We're not telling people who's speaking yet. We may or, that may or may not change. Right now, I don't feel the clearance to do it because I don't want to build events based on our favorite speakers. And uh, it might get you a big event here or there, but if it's gonna transcend a generation, we need to begin gathering for the sake of the beauty of Jesus. I, I, don't, I don't want you to have an encounter with your favorite speaker there. I want you to have an encounter with the Lord there. And coming with that heart changes everything. Now we may roll it out eventually. But how many of you know Jesus is more than enough? Yes. He's more than enough. Amen. Okay. Take your Bibles, if you would. To Revelation chapter 12. For those of you who don't know, I shared this with the early service. I'm just coming off a vocal cord surgery. I haven't, I, I really didn't preach from December, I think, through April. And our church doubled in size. <laughs> it's really encouraging and really discouraging. <laughs> but how many of you know the church is not built on the pastor? The church is built on this is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. But uh, I'm happy to be back and I'm happy to be preaching again. God created me to love him and preach the gospel. And so it's a real joy and privilege to be here with you. Let's begin reading at verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Wow. I want to talk to you this morning about the blood of Jesus and I'm going to mingle that into the table of the Lord, the celebration of communion. I'm going to say a few things that would be much more common in Israel uh, or Greece or the land that the scriptures, I should say the New Testament and the Old Testament were really birthed in and written in. But in America, we're a bit more pragmatic. And in the West, we have a more difficult time with mystery than we should. Mystery is meant, if you're taking notes, you'd want to start writing. Mystery is meant to birth worship. How many of you have the Trinity perfectly figured out? Anyone? Okay. We have a humble church here. That's good. 
our ability to figure something out or not has nothing to do with whether or not it is true. Uh, the thought that I have to figure everything out in order for it to be true is to bring God down to our level. And communion is much more powerful than we know. Paul made a statement. He said, because you've not discerned the body and blood of the Lord Jesus, many are sick and have fallen asleep among you. Did Paul write that? Yes, did Paul write that? He did. How many believe that's true? Well, if receiving communion improperly can make you sick or dead, I think this is a much more powerful meal than we know. Yes or no? I mean, how many of you know if you eat a uh, burrito the wrong way, well, they might kill you too. Let's just say it was an organic, uh, gluten-free burrito with long grain brown rice, not the white stuff that's bad for you, with organic avocado mixed in. Uh, maybe that wouldn't kill you. But how, how many of you know that you don't die from eating your eggs the wrong way unless you cook them the wrong way? But there's something about this meal that is so holy that to take it improperly can bring sickness and death. Okay? On the flip side, that means if I take it properly, Healing and life is promised. Amen? You say, well, I don't understand that. But you don't understand your spouse. <laughs> Additionally, the scripture teaches that they received and broke bread. They received communion daily. So this is my opinion. This isn't doctrine or theology, but this is my opinion. The church is sicker than she needs to be because she does not receive communion properly or often enough. I know I'm going to ruffle some feathers, possibly some theologians here. I'm used, to, I'm used to it by now. <laughs> if communion were mere symbolism, how can it be so powerful? I guess my next question would be, is anything in the new covenant meant to be mere symbolism? Isn't the reason the Holy Spirit, in many ways, isn't the reason he was given to us, wasn't he given to us to take that which was type and shadow and make it a reality? Can I come down to you? I feel Pentecostal. 
James said, and let me preface what I'm about to say by saying this. If you are struggling in your health like I was, I had two massive polyps that I, everyone prayed for me. They did not go. God, and I did bring in a man to, who has an amazing healing ministry that we all know to minister to our church when I was sick in need of a miracle. And he looked at my wife and said, you know, my friend had what Michael has and could never preach again. So it didn't really build my faith. I honor him, it was great to have him, but I thought, my word, I could have used something different. But God sent me a doctor who was a former missionary with Billy Graham. Helped, he trained under the man who wrote the manual for my procedure. And he looked me in the eye and said, you will fulfill the, God of, the plan of God on your life. You will preach the gospel again. And he was weeping. And I had to go all the way to Atlanta to find him. And it was worth it. You only get one voice. And I'm glad he did a good job. You may not be, but I'm happy to be speaking to you. But James says this. And well, actually, let me back up. If you're struggling in your health, I'm not saying you're in sin. And I'm not saying you should feel condemnation or shame. Absolutely not. But my job is to bring the word of the Lord. James said, if there be any sick among you. If. If there be any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Anointing them with oil, the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Therefore, the early church lived in a state that was much healthier than we live in. Because he said, if there's any sick among you, call for the elders. I think there's healing power in communion that we don't give enough attention to. I just read to you Revelation 12 verses that we'd read 9 through 11, I believe. 10 through 11. The Bible's clear here that the saints overcame, listen carefully, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, right? What we've been teaching for years is this. Well, just plead the blood and then share all the testimonies you know and that's how you'll overcome. Share the testimony of how your Aunt Edna spoke in tongues. Share the testimony of how God put gas in your car when you laid hands on it. Share the testimony of how you met your spouse. Those are all good, but that's not the testimony that Revelation is referring to. The testimony that this verse is referring to, listen carefully, is of the blood. The great testimony of the church is of the blood of Jesus. And so we overcome the devil, listen carefully, when our testimony is aimed in the proper direction, at the blood. The devil is not afraid of our gifting. In fact, some of the most, uh, some of his greatest trophies is by dragging down the people who are most gifted. Those are his great testimonies of how he destroyed the gifted. How about, the, how about Saul, King Saul? 
anointed of the Lord. And the Bible says he died as though he were never anointed. What about Balaam? Balaam prophesied as a servant of God and moments later was a diviner, a sorcerer. I'll never forget John Paul Jackson told me, Michael, the gift for the prophet is not the voice. The gift is the satellite dish to receive the voice and when you're not walking with Jesus, you become so addicted to prophesying that you aim the dish in the wrong direction and start hearing from devils. Oh, the devil is, has a PhD that's 6,000 years old in destroying the gifted. If I were an apostle and I hired a pastor... I wouldn't look at his resume. I'd look at his marriage. I don't care about his crowd shots. I look at his children. Too much for Sunday morning? Is this a Wednesday night teaching? Okay. The devil takes the gifted and uses them as trophies when he crushes them. He'd been... How many of you ever had your grandmother go, I've been doing this a long time? Anyone? Okay, she's been doing it max 80 years, 85, 90, if that's a blessing. He's been doing it 6,000 years. Judas raised more dead people than anyone in this room. Judas cleansed more lepers than anyone in this room. He was sent out as Jesus' team member. And Jesus said of him by the end of his life, it was better that he, were ne uh, it was, that he never be born. Also, as a side note, the scripture teaches that the devil entered Judas when he dipped the bread in the water and partook. The devil chose a moment at the table through the improper reception of the covenant meal and said, now I've got a door. That's how powerful this meal is. This is no joke. There is power. Power. Wonder working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. The blood of Jesus. The communion at the table. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 12, let's turn there. Is this okay? Oh, this is powerful. You're about to slap the guest next to you. Don't do that. I can say things in our church and they know not to do it. But you never know. <laughs> Don't slap the person next to you. Let the Lord do it. Verse 3. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb. Say a lamb. According to the house of his father, a lamb for every household. Let me stop there. If you're believing for your lost loved ones, there's a lamb for every house. Yeah. 
I said, there's a lamp for every house. Don't you give up. Jesus is enough to save everyone in your family. Don't you give up. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons, according to each man's need. You shall make your count for the lamb. In other words, Jesus is so precious, he's enough for all, but do not waste his presence. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, saying Jesus is perfect and pure. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. Jesus gave his life the same way. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel. In case you don't know, the two doorposts, look at me please, the two doorposts here and the lintel above. I'm sure many of you know, but if you've never heard this before, this is a life-changing truth from the scripture. The two doorposts and the lintel. Moses would have taken hyssop, as the scripture teaches. Hyssop speaks of faith. Hyssop speaks of faith. The scripture says, thou hast cleansed me with hyssop. We are cleansed by faith. So here, this is a picture of Moses taking faith and applying the blood this way and then that way on the doors of Israel this way and that way. A bloody cross upon every door. Listen carefully. While God's people were locked down in slavery. Hmm. Verse 8. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night. Friends, listen carefully. Jesus doesn't want you to admire him. He wants you to consume him so he can consume you. Did you hear that? Jesus isn't looking for fans. He's looking for a bride. And what happens when a groom and a bride come together? The two shall become? Oh gosh, I just wish some of you young people actually knew what it was like and may the Lord do it again. I just wish you knew what his glory was like. You think you do. It'll come. But you've settled for YouTube videos. And if they're not writing about Jesus, I don't care how many subscribers they have or how famous they are, it's not worship. I'm picky about our songs at Jesus Image. Our students will tell you. You don't just get to pick your playlist. It goes through me. The reason it goes through me is because true worship must have true theology. If it's not Bible, we don't sing it. I don't care who wrote it. I don't care how creative it looks, how creative the videos look. Man. <laughs> we gotta do more than be creative. I'm gonna sing about Jesus from Jesus, unto Jesus, through Jesus. That's worship. Doesn't matter if you like their voice. The devil's got a better voice than any of them. He was the worship leader in heaven. His ribs are pipes and instruments. My Lord, when he moves, sound comes out. It's not about that. It's not about gifting. 
Sing about Jesus. Tell me about his blood. Tell me about the wounds on his body. Tell me about Calvary that is the tree that reversed the curse from the tree in the Garden of, uh, of Eden. Tell me about the lamb. Don't sing about how you are and how you're doing. The devil doesn't care. And God knows how you're doing. This isn't therapy. It's supposed to be worship. If you want to get set free, let Jesus walk in the room. And there's a way to get him in the room. Be meticulous about what you sing. I'm not saying anything happened incorrectly here. I'm just saying that's how we operate at Jesus' image. And I want to give that away to a whole generation. There is a way to bring the Lord. And there is a way to keep the Lord there. You see, Martha brought him, but Mary knew how to keep him. There is a way to have him live with you. I'm not supposed to shout yet. He's not looking for a fan club. He's looking for a church. Verse 8. They shall eat that flesh on that night, roasted in fire, with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire. In other words, Jesus died a slow death. When you roast something over the open fire, it's a type and shadow of the Lamb of God who would come and be suspended above the flames of hell, between the heavens, on the cross, between the, our hell and his heaven, he would be suspended on a piece of wood as the lamb was roasted, run through with a piece of wood, and the lamb would slowly darken as Jesus became our sin until he said it is finished and breathed his last. Don't you love your Bible? Now slap your neighbor with your Bible. Don't. Don't do it. Now listen carefully. Verse 11. And thus you shall eat it. Back to the table. Listen carefully. Thus you shall eat it. In other words, in this way, eat the meal. With a belt on your waist. Your sandals on your feet. Your staff in your hand. That is Christ himself. So you shall eat it in haste. Listen carefully. It is the Lord's Passover. Friends, listen to me. Jesus is saying here, when you eat this meal, get ready to move. When you, the moment that lamb goes into your mouth, rubbed with bitter herbs that speaks of his suffering. See, bitter herbs are beautiful to smell from a distance. It's altogether different when you eat them. Such is the nature of Jesus. He's so beautiful, such a wonderful healer, such an amazing, amazing savior. So kind, he puts the children on his knee, walks on water, multiplies bread, multiplies fish, pays his bills with a coin, from a fish's mouth, raises the dead. Beautiful to smell that. Then all of a sudden, you come up to him and he says, here's a cross. Now you gotta die. It's one thing to smell the herbs. 
It's another thing to ingest them. And that speaks to, of the call of discipleship. But he promises something. You mark your houses with the blood. The blood of the lamb. And then consume that lamb. And let him get into you. You're leaving Egypt. I said you're leaving Egypt. Israel, you thought this was a feast alone. But this is the meal of deliverance. Say this out loud. The body, the blood of Jesus is the meal of deliverance. Say this. The body, the blood of Jesus breaks chains. Say this. The body, and the blood of Jesus heals my broken body. The body, the blood of Jesus destroys the work of the devil. You see, if you eat that meal properly, you realize whatever, whatever is of Egypt in your life is but a distant memory. There is power in the blood. We have gotten really good at talking about Jesus as the lion. Because we're a little more comfortable with roaring. Because we all want to be heard, don't we? Let me just check your Facebook. Now you can call yourself and anoint yourself. You can even have a Facebook ministry. You just start it. You don't need an encounter. You don't need the church to endorse it or lay hands on you. You can just say, I am an apostle. And here's why. Because my profile says it. And we are good at roaring. And what I'd like to submit to you is that the lion nature of the Lord is mentioned a few times in the Bible. Very needed and true. But the bleeding lamb is the theme of the whole book. How did D Jesus destroy death? Say this, by death. It's interesting to me that Jesus washed the feet of the one who, who would betray him. Was it because Jesus was worthless or so humble that the devil couldn't smell it? The devil is the one who says, I will ascend. I will ascend the hill of the Lord. I will be like the Most High. I, I, I. Jesus says, I'm the one who will descend into the depths of the earth and take this secret trap door of humility and cause you to think that you defeated me just because I laid my life down. What you didn't realize is I'm about to descend into the, the belly of the abyss and show you the sign of Jonah and prove to you it's not possible for the grave to hold me. As the whale, as the whale or the fish, as the whale or the fish vomited up Jonah, 
I'm going to show you that the one who created the earth cannot be held by it. Isn't it just like the Lord to destroy the ravaging beast with a little lamb? And lambs don't come to be our pets. I used to have them. In our culture, we would kill a lamb every Saturday night before Easter to celebrate what we call Pascha, the great passing over. And we would take the lamb, and it would be your friend all year. You'd name it. Come midnight, you'd eat a delicious lamb. The next morning, Easter morning, you'd go out only to discover your lamb was gone. It took my grandfather telling me the reason it's gone is because you ate it last night, and I killed it. Lambs don't come so much to cheer you on. They come to bleed. That's what they do. Lambs die. Did you hear that? Lambs die. When Adam and Eve sinned and the Lord covered them with animal skins, Many theologians would say those were lamb skins. What did the Lord say, or what did Abraham say to Isaac? The Lord shall provide a? What did Isaiah prophesy in, in his great prophecy to Israel? That he would be led like a? To slaughter. What did John the Baptist say when Jesus showed up at the River Jordan? Behold the? Who is worshipped in the midst of the throne in heaven? I saw a lamb in the midst of a throne. We need humble, lamb-like Christians who cannot be defeated and obeyed even unto death because they had the right testimony. The lamb who bled You can't defeat that heart. Do you know sin, sin is not a weakness. It's a death sentence. Sin does not give you a bad day. It's a verdict of death. The wages of sin is death. Sin does not depress you. Sin kills you. How long does it kill you? forever. The soul that sins must die, the Bible says. And it's deeper than a physical death. Adam ate of the fruit, and in that moment, he died. Because the Lord said, in the moment you eat of it, you shall die. Did Adam go into the ground in that moment? No. He eventually would, but something else died in him. His heart, his spirit. He died. And that's the wage for sin. And sin will stain you. Sin will stain you. You say, well, I didn't sin so much today. You're thinking of sins, uh, plural. I'm speaking of sin, the nature of it. You say, what is, the nat what is sin? Sin is turning the heart away from God. In today's day and age, we would call it independence. Listen to me. God is attracted to 
Dependency, not independence. Jesus the Son, God himself said, the Son can do nothing in and of himself. I say nothing, I don't hear the Father say. I do nothing, I don't see him do. Here's a new word for this generation, submission. Jesus is Lord. That means he bought us with a substance, his blood. That's what Peter wrote. He did not redeem us with silver or gold, but with the precious blood of the Son of God. We need to understand this. I am not my owner. I am not my own master. I have been purchased. I belong to Jesus. He didn't buy me with an Amex. He bought me with his blood. Are you hearing me? Lordship is glorious. And sin is to say, I've got this. I can do this. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to make my choice in this area. I'm going to define me and define my life. That is sin. The pornography addiction is a sin. That is a symptom of a greater sin. And this is the, this is the greater sin. Finding satisfaction in an image rather than the divine image of God. You with me? So sin will stain you, and it stains you before heaven. And it's an unshakable stain. It is a deep stain. And the weird thing is, is it can transcend generations. And it can transcend mindsets. And so great-grandchildren end up thinking like the great-grandparent. The same cycle, the same curse. Because sin and its ways transcends a bloodline. Are you understanding this? And it is so deep, it is like a spiritual tattoo that God must judge. If he doesn't judge it, he is not good. And if he doesn't judge it, he is not holy. He has to. He has to in order to be true to himself. He cannot look at sin and not judge it and claim to be God. So the sin has to go. Now here's the worst part. Not the worst, but a, a sobering thought. Is that if my friend sins and I don't address it, now I've got his blood on my hands, the prophet Ezekiel said. So it's not just me. It's what I approve, what I pacify, is also on my ledger. And the Bible says we will appear before the Lord. That means we need help. Do you know even the holiest grandmother you ever knew who prayed in tongues all day? Do you know she sinned? Because the Bible says all have sinned. All. It means I've got an issue. And the issue with blood is, is that blood cries out. Abel's blood cried out. In other words, the blood speaks. It talks. It cries out to God. 
and the blood of the innocent being shed curses a whole nation, curses the land. Don't lose me here. I'm about to shut this down, but don't miss this. That means I need a better blood to speak and to speak a better word. My sin cries judgment. His blood cries mercy. I need the blood of Jesus to speak. And it has spoken a better word. Could I have help on the keys, please? In the book of Job, Job stands before the Lord. And just for a moment, no one moving. Job, speak, or Job appears before the Lord and says something about Job. He says, I can't get to Job. For thou hast placed a hedge about him. He couldn't cross the hedge. What was the hedge? Well, if you read the whole book prior, the Bible says Job offered sacrifice unto the Lord. Somebody told Job that the blood works. How did Adam's children know? How did Cain and Abel know anything about blood and offering? Their parents said, you know what happened to us? We ruined everything. We ran from God. And as Reinhard Bunke used to say, Adam purposed to live without God, but God purposed to not live without Adam. And God covered them in the blood. And Adam and Eve learned that the only way to survive was to be covered in the blood. And this tradition is handed down through the ages, generation after generation. And finally, Job is offering sacrifice. And Satan tells the Lord, I can't get to this guy because he keeps offering blood. Friends, friends, listen to me. You can do the same today. How do we do it today? With hyssop, with faith. And it must be declared. Not thought, it must be declared. It is absolutely legal to plead the blood of Jesus. Why don't you start doing it right now? Father, in Jesus' name, we plead the blood of Jesus over our children. Start naming them. Just name them. Over our families. Over our, our churches. Over pastor. Over the entire Wiggins family. We plead the blood. We plead the blood over our bodies, over our sicknesses. And most importantly, Lord, we plead the blood over our souls. You know, I don't want to give a traditional altar call. If you need the blood, stand up to your feet, would you please? If you need the blood to wash you, to cleanse your mind, to cleanse your heart, to cleanse your sin, whatever it is, shake off the religious garbage and get down here right now. Get down here right now if you need to be free. 
if you need to be totally set free forever in any way, shape, or form, stuff that runs in your family, stuff you can't control in your body, the, your eyes, what you look at, what you see, get down here, get down here, and let the blood of Jesus cleanse you. This is wonderful. This is holy. This is holy. You say, I need the blood to set me free this morning. I need the blood of Jesus in my life. Jordan, would you come, please? Would you just lift your hands? Before I pray with you, this is my challenge to you. Start receiving communion in your homes. Sit with your children. Receive communion. Oh, hallelujah. I give you praise, Lord. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I plead the blood over each person here. I plead the blood over this house, this church. I plead the blood over our children, the generations after us, over this worship team. You'd give them a revelation of the blood that they can enter the throne of grace boldly, 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 by the blood. And let the hearts of this church burn in Jesus' name. Amen. Jordan, would you lead them? Would you lead them? I just feel like you're supposed to lead them in prayer. Stay there, right in the presence of God. The scripture says that we confess our sins to one another and we find healing in that. I want us to take a moment and just begin to confess our sins before Jesus this morning. Whatever it is that might be separating you from him, begin to just confess it, repent of it. Jesus. Come on, just you and Jesus right now. Shut yourself in with him. Tell him you don't want those things. It's anxiety, depression, lust. Tell it it's not welcome here. It's not welcome in your soul. Tell Jesus you don't want it anymore. Tell Jesus you want all of him. Jesus, we want you. We need you. We confess our sins to you, O oh God. For all the things we've idolized above you, we confess, we repent. We ask for your forgiveness, oh God. We ask for your cleansing, for the shed blood of Jesus to wash us, to purify us, your blood, Jesus. Cleanse our minds. I want you to just lay your hand on your mind. Lay your hand on your head this morning. Transform us, O oh God. May we not be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Renew our mind, Lord. Thank you that your blood, it renews our mind. The cleansing of the word, it renews our mind.
thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's just begin to thank him. Thank him for cleansing. Thank him for purifying. Thank him for washing and regenerating our hearts and our lives. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Scripture declares that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Amen? The old has passed away. Behold, all things are new. We thank you for newness. Come on, let's thank him for newness of life this morning. Let's thank him that we are renewed in him. We are renewed in his presence. We thank you for the newness of life that you offer us and that you afford us in Christ Jesus. We're not bound, we're not trapped to the old. But we're brought in, we're welcomed in. If you think of the prodigal, it says he gave him a ring and a robe. Amen? We're welcomed into his family. If you would look up here with me this morning. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, maybe the first time in a long time. Um, welcome home. Amen. Welcome home. Jesus is rejoicing. Heaven is rejoicing when one comes home. So I want to encourage you, as I do every time. There's a reason for this. We need one another. We need community to help keep us accountable. I want to grow in Jesus, right? Accountability fosters growth. Accountability fosters growth. We need one another. That's where healing is found. That's what the scripture says. Therefore, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. There's healing in that confession. There's healing in accountability. There's healing in those small group settings. So I want to encourage you this morning, if you prayed this prayer, if you came forward, if you're surrendering your life to the Lord, this is not just so we can have you on a, another role or a roster, but you need this. I need this. We need people in our lives that can help encourage us in the things of God. So I want you to grab one of those cards before you leave this place, and we're going to help get you plugged into discipleship because we all need it. If you would slip up your hands this morning. Pull up the scripture real quick. Ironic blessing. So I'm doing that. I want to encourage you to sow into the word. And I want us to thank Pastor and Evangelist Michael Koulianos for such a powerful word this morning. You can sow into that word in the baskets down front, the offering baskets in the lobby. Numbers chapter 6 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his son, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your son. We thank you for the word that was here this morning, the word that was manifested among us. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. God, we plead the blood of Jesus over this church family. We declare the power of the blood over this church family. That God, we would not partake of your body and your blood improperly, therefore bringing sickness and death. 
but father we would partake of it in a manner that is worthy that would bring life and health and wholeness to our lives to those who are around us god we thank you that god we are a city on a hill and i pray father that you would help us to shine to all that we come into counter with this week god may we shine the light that you've given in place within our lives to a world that is in need we love you lord pray your blessing upon your people in jesus name we pray amen and amen. The Lord bless you. Don't forget services at 6 p.m. tonight with Pastor Jim Rayleigh.